Well, giving God the glory because we are family. As the Lord had told us through Paul's teaching, when one member of the body hurts, we all hurt because it's, we're all part of the same body. And uh, these sisters were looking for a touch from heaven. And it's no coincidence that uh, we're here today for that purpose. Do you want that phone number? Um, I'll come type that in when we're ready, but, but have a seat. Be ready. I was reading, I want to share this with you at, at, at a start. Um, what a blessing it is to give God the glory. Someone grabbed my Bible. Did I bring it in out of my van? And one of the most beautiful Psalms there is, it's going to tell you and I to do something, my Bible. Not, I use Clint's. Because I got this flashed up on the screen. I usually bring my own in. It's, it's in the van, like I just said. Look, third time. And the van is up front. Okay. It's good to give God praise. Amen? Amen. Listen to what the psalmist wrote in Psalms 123. Unto thee lift I up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look unto the hand of their master, and as the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress, so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God until that he have mercy, until he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us. For we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorning of those that are at ease and with the contempt of the proud. Read it in your version, please. Sister Mickey, Psalms 123. I lift up my eyes to you, to you whose throne is in heaven. And as the eyes of slaves look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maid look to the hand of her mistress, mm -hmm. so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he shows us his mercy. Have mercy on us, O Lord, have mercy on us, for we have endured much contempt. We have endured much ridicule from the proud, much contempt from the arrogant. I read that this morning in the Amplified Bible, or not Homans, Homans. And it says, have the, give us favor, O Lord, give us favor. And it talks about how God's people had suffered at the hands of those who don't love God. 
And one of the things that we have to look at is the fact that even sickness is contempt before God because it's not from God. And at times God's people get weary not only of life circumstances that are adversely that adversely comes against us as children of God, but the things in the unseen world, how they come after us to destroy us. And at times we just have to stop and do what the psalmist says. Our eyes are upon you, Lord. God, we're watching and we're waiting for you to be gracious, for you to give us favor, for you to be merciful or compassionate. And that's what Lord Jesus did when he came here. He gave mankind the compassionate of God. And no one can fully understand how great that is unless you have been one of suffering. Unless someone has have your life hanging in the balance, unless your life is hanging in the balance from diseases or any kind of illness, something that, 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 that captures us and puts us in so much sorrow, and the word sorrow can actually be translated as pain. And unless we are experiencing that or have experienced that, we won't fully understand the glory and kindness of God. Like someone said, people who are raised up in the church all of their lives don't really get, don't fully understand what it's like to be liberated from drugs or alcohol or prostitution or being a wife beater or a thief or something. You know what I'm talking about? Those things that really, that society really looks upon and say, boy, that's a very deranged person. And we don't want them no, you know, to have no part of us. And then God comes in by Lord Jesus and rescues that person because that's what every salvation, that's what the word salvation actually means. It means to be rescued. Are you aware of that? When it says, save me, O Lord, the word for save actually means rescue me, Lord. When Peter was sinking, when he was standing out on the water and he began to doubt and he started to go down under the waves, what was his statement to Lord Jesus? Save me. In other words, rescue me, Lord. Because he was in dire straits. I mean, he was going to die if Lord Jesus had not reached out and taken him. This family that you just was blessed to be a part of a miracle in the making. Because I believe while we were yet praying, God heard our prayers. Amen? Whew. Glory to God. I believe that as I was this morning before the Lord, one of the things that God wants me to do with you all at Bible study is take a few minutes to just start praising him. Give him glory. Give him praise that's rightly do his name. Bible study can be so much more beautiful and anointed if we just take the time and do what the psalmist says. Psalms 92, will you turn there, please? Such a beautiful, beautiful psalms. And one in which we can just draw strength from and glorifying God. Miss Vic is getting there. You want to read it, little one? Uh, which verse? 
starting at verse 1 and then we'll read the first three verses. What does the first three verses say in Psalms 92? Hold up there for a minute. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. Um, when I went to the food bank this morning, I, on my way driving, I just got fired up by the Lord. I mean, the Holy Ghost was all over me. And I just began to thank and praise God in a tremendous way. And when I got there, you know how you see people who may not necessarily feel the same as you feel? But you come in with a spirit that's out of this world. Because the Holy Spirit in us is literally out of this world. <laughs> Am I right? right? So we're coming in with a spirit out of this world. And, and, and when you're walking in the flesh, even though you're God's children, when you're walking in the flesh, you're not experiencing that at that moment. But when one of God's children who is experiencing the Holy Spirit at that moment is literally, he's, he or she is out of this world in worship and honor and glory of our God. And the thing that set me off this morning was the fact what God had shown me in the spirit this morning, that it is something else to have the God of the universe, the creator of the universe as our father. And I'm not talking about just a man. I'm talking about God himself is our father. And, get any better than that. And, it can't, and that's what got me. It cannot get any better than that. And I'm telling you, it's time to celebrate. And give God the glory because what Lord Jesus did. And when he's told his son, go down and, and, and carry my good news to my children. Because they need to know that I, their God, their creator, the one who created them for my glory, love them. And I'm giving you as the gift to them. So that all who believe in you will not perish, but have everlasting life. Why? Because God wanted us to be a part of his family. And when you think about that, the God of creation, the God who make the stars that you can't even count, scholar, because there's too many of them, but he knows them all by name. The scripture tells us at the end of Isaiah that God knows exactly the number of them. And he called them all by name. And he called them out at night, and not a one of them is lost. And the Psalms tell us, Psalmist tell us in Psalms 19, that those stars, along with the moon and the suns that are up there, and the clouds and all, declare or proclaim the glory of God. They have a story to tell. As uh, David wrote, he said, Night unto night utters speech, and there's no place in which their voice is not heard. It doesn't matter what language you speak or what country you live in. You look up, everybody see what? Stars. The stars. And they're absolutely glorious. And then you ever take took some binoculars and, and looked to the heavens at night? Or a telescope? A lot more Yes, I mean, me and Matthew did that one night. You remember? Vernon, were you with us? We had the, had the uh, binoculars out, and we were looking up at the stars. And I remember Sister Vicky looking in like a one-inch by one-inch area with my eyes, just my glasses. And, oh, it's just one or two stars up there, right? And, but when I put the binoculars on, I go, whoa, it's literally thousands upon thousands of stars right in that little bitty area. <laughs> and you know what? Scientists just recently by the Hubble telescope did that. They took a very small area that they thought there was space in between stars and they focused, they zoomed in on it 
And the more they zoomed in on it, the more galaxies began to appear. To, and they kept going out and zooming and zooming and zooming. And finally, they found so many galaxies within that little bitty space that they couldn't count them all. It was literally billions upon billions of galaxies. Well, billions of stars in each galaxy. Is that just that one little spot? And that was that little bitty, not even bigger than a pencil head spot. And it's all around us. And it's all around us. That's why I like to tease with the boys and say, where are the stars? And they said, up. Mm -hmm. I said, uh, actually, that's not the whole story, giving God the glory. And what do you mean? There are stars to the right? Because if you look straight across the Earth, out of the Earth's atmosphere that way, what are you going to see? Stars. And if you're able to go through the Earth's crust and look straight down, what would you see? What's below us? Stars. And if you look to the left, all the way, what are you going to see? Whatever angle you look at, guess what you're going to see? Nothing but stars. Because the Earth hangs on an invisible axis and nothing around it but what? Stars. Everywhere. Now, how do you deal with God who created that? And those stars are so many times larger than the earth. And the Bible tells you and I in Colossians that Jesus, Jesus created all of these. God had Jesus create the universe and then place the universe under his authority. Read Colossians. And, and not only does it tell us that in chapter 1, but in the last part of the chapter of the book, it tells you because of Jesus, all those things are held together, okay? Coexist together. And you look at God and go, and the same God who did this now? He's my daddy? Yes. You know that commercial used to be on TV that says, who's your daddy? Yeah. Uh-huh. And very, very tangible ways when we say, who's your daddy? We're not talking about that man that put food on the table that's working, so I'm going to beat your butt if you mess up. Now, this one is the one who made him and who made his daddy and who made his daddy and his daddy all the way back to Adam. And so we give God the glory because Lord Jesus, what he brought to us is something greater than what the eye can see, isn't it? Amen. And that's a literal statement. Amen. More than what the eye can see. That came from who? Transformer? More than meets the eye? Really is. When you really think about it. And then to have him come down and take on human flesh. Can anybody ever get tired of hearing this story? You shouldn't if you belong to him. Amen. Jesus is so awesome that when he appeared, when he appeared on earth as a man, out of the spirit realm, can you imagine how that worked, how that happened? How do you get flesh to wrap around spirit? Ah, that just messed with my head. He came down here and did that, and whew, and then he left here. And I was just thinking about this part, and this all to set y'all soul on fire. When the apostles was on the hillside, and Lord Jesus, all of a sudden, start what? Lavitating. Start floating what? Upward. Think about that for a moment. That's enough to let you know that he is who? God. What human ever just started floating up in the air like that? I mean, 
Miss Vicky, do you get excited about these things like I do? <laughs> I mean, sometimes I want to bust and go, God, how do you do that? And I'm looking at that, and I'm seeing, and then them angels come say, hey, you ain't seen nothing yet. And those men are going, pardon me? This same Jesus that you seen leave this way, you also going to see him return. come back, return this way, but more grander, okay? The scripture tells us that he's going to have the armies of heaven with him. Huh? That's going to be a sight too, isn't it? But them, those angels that's coming behind him are subordinate to him. They're lesser than he is. And they know who their master is, their king, their creator, their God, the one who they worship. And they're going to be coming behind him, and the clouds are going to be split, and every eye going to look up. Oh, there he is. And you know what? They can't deny what they're seeing. And even if they want to deny, they still can't deny it. Amen? Amen? And when they look up at that sky, I tell you, every knee shall what? Come on, give it to him. Bow and every tongue shall what? Confess, Confess that Jesus Christ is what? Lord, Lord to the glory of who? God, God the Father. Woo! That's amazing. That's absolutely some beautiful stuff. And I can't wait till it happens. And let me tell you something. God has been so good to us. Only if we knew how good God has been. And the same psalmist that write, write these, these psalms on the anointing of the Holy Spirit, they remind us, says, give thanks to God for his mercy and do it forever. And he said, give thanks to God for his goodness towards the children of men. And when you think about that, Jesus, whoo! That's why when you sing that song, Miss Vicky, there's power in the name of Jesus. I'm going, sister, bring it on. You better go ahead and move heaven today. Okay? <laughs> Raise the roof, part the sky, everything. Yeah, baby. Get it on up to heaven. And watch the angels begin to worship God on our behalf. Join in in that celebration as we begin to uplift the name of Jesus and glorify God our Father who sits on the throne, who lives forever. And that's more than enough to be excited about. Even though I, they changed the way I take my heart medication, I'm a little drogger today, but my spirit is just bubbling over. And I thank God for Jesus. And I'm reminded what that psalmist said, it doesn't matter what we are facing. God is still God. Amen? Amen? And that's powerful. And so, as we get ready to go into 2 Corinthians, we never did get past the, the first chapter. And, and today, we may advance, we might advance on up to chapter 2 or 3, uh, 4, in the f chapter 4 today, because basically it's just a, a reading right now. Uh, but I want you to understand the purpose of this letter. I want you to understand what's going on, okay? Uh, once again, there's been some issues with the credibility of the Apostle Paul being an apostle, 
okay? And also there has been an individual in the Corinthian church who may have instigated the attacks on Paul. And the church actually stand up and do corrective actions with this individual. And Paul is reminding them, you know, even though your corrections are adequate, they're appropriate, don't destroy the one by building too much sorrow upon sorrow on him. And break, there you go, there it is, right there. And break his spirit or his will to continue in Christ Jesus. And that's what we have to be careful with Matthew, that we don't constantly beat him down so much for him doing wrong that we break his spirit to want to go on. And I think that's why some children and some other adults commit suicide is because people have hammered them so much that their spirit has gotten what? Broken. broken. And only God can heal a broken spirit. Amen. Amen. So Paul comes back mm -hmm. and under the meekness of the Holy Spirit, he brings in corrections and he's really going to um, refute some 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 not so factual statements about his his credibility of being an apostle. He's going to come back and counter those arguments. <clears throat> However, I like the way he's going to do it. Uh, he has done it, and that those ways is this: he did not put himself in the spotlight as saying, "Look how good I am." Who did he put in the spotlight? He put God and Lord Jesus, King Jesus in the spotlight and said, look how good Jesus is. That's how he did it. And that's the kind of humble spirit God wants all his children to have. Okay? And with that, let's pray, and then I'll come over there, Zora, and we can crank it up and shoot on, okay? Father, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Jesus, you are absolutely the son of the living God, and he had, he had sent you here, and you are, you are the Savior of the world. Besides you, there is no other. Lord, we love you, and we praise you. We thank you for the work that's done in Ms. Marie's sister's body. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for salvation. Thank you for rescuing us and bringing us into the family of God. And now, Lord, as you continue to teach us as your disciples, we're asking Holy Spirit now to show us these things that Paul encountered. Because sometimes today, Lord, even though the time was different back in current, but the attacks from Satan by people are still the same. And help us to, to, to copy the behavior that Paul had in attitude by putting on you, Lord Jesus, in front of those people so that they will fix their eyes on you rather than on him. Lord, we love you. 
And we're asking Holy Spirit to do this now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay. This is, shake it, baby. That is the mouse. All right. Let's scroll that on up out of the way. Then, don't do that. Don't yawn. Hey, close that bottom thing. Right there with says Susie. Okay, it is where it's kind of hard to see what this is. Um, Zora, can you go down to verse 15? Come. Yeah, put 15 to the top. I hope you uh, go up one more. What am I doing? I don't know. Oh, all right. Now hit the four boxes here. No, 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 no. Down, down, down. These four. Right there. There you go. Did I do that? Okay. I'll straighten this up in a little bit. Um, in this confidence, he's saying, because I was confident of, of this, I plan to visit you first so that you might benefit twice. Uh, you know, Paul was a church planner in Corinth, and he wanted to go back there. That's what he's saying. Verse 16, that is, to pass your way into Macedonia and again, Macedonia to come to you and buy you to be helped on my journey to Judea. So I say, okay, give me a little monetary help so that I can make my trip home back to Israel. And uh, you shouldn't be up moving around while I'm teaching. And therefore, I was not vacillating. What does vacillating mean? In verse 16, uh, 17. He said, I was not vacillating when I intended to do this, was I? Or was I purposed? Do I purpose according to the flesh so that with me there will be yes and yes and no, no at the same time? Uh, okay, here's the thing is, I, Paul said, I'm not playing games with you. All right? You're going to know what I mean straight up. You're going to know that my no is what? No. And my yes is what? Yes. Straightforward. There's no time to play games. And you really can't play games with people when it comes to their spiritual walk with the Lord. And here's the thing. Your spiritual walk with the Lord is not the time you gather together in a group called the church. Your spiritual walk with the Lord is your everyday life. You can't separate the two. Cause, but if you have, you don't belong to Jesus. You are not a part-time Christian. Either we belong to him all the way whether you're in school or at home on the job or hanging out on the curb, you belong to him. Okay? And there's no time to be monkeying around with people's lives like that. Either we're going to help you get it together for the Lord or we're going to walk away. Period. Make sense? But on the NIV side, but as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. Now here he's got, here he's describing something. Miss Vicky is that 
His answers to them is not from who? From him. Who is his answers going to be from? From God. Okay? Why? Verse 19. Check it. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me, and Silas and Timothy was not yes and no, but in him it has always been what? Yes. Yes. In Jesus, in Jesus alone, salvation has always been yes. Yes, yes sir. She can't see. And so, and the gentleman just rung the bell like their father in the name of Jesus, whatever that need is, we ask that you meet it for your own glory. So, who are you here for? When you correct someone, who are you correcting them for? When you're sharing the gospel, who are you sharing the gospel for? Whose behalf are you for? Jesus. Who are you representing? Jesus. So you're not representing yourself. So who's able to save a person's soul? Jesus, Jesus and Jesus what? Alone. Alone. So in God, the answer is absolute. Are you hearing this? You cannot, cannot play with words with people. Let them know what God is saying. And mean what God is saying. Stand firm on it. And don't deviate. Don't mess around with people's lives like that. Because they need to know where they stand with God. Because God is going to let you know where he stands with you. So, and that's what it's all about. For no matter how many promises God has made, you got this? I, I want to ask you a question. Can you count the number of promises from Genesis to Revelation? Because I can't. Do we know how many there are? <laughs> yeah, In, innumerable promises. How many promises did Lord Jesus make to his apostles, to his disciples? <clears throat> One of the things he did in the night in which he was betrayed, sitting in that upper room, what was the first promise he made to them? Do you know what that first promise was? In John chapter 14? I will never leave you or forsake you. He said... First, he gave them words of encouragement. You believe in God. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, also believe in. For in my Father's house are many mansions. Uh-huh. And I'm going to prepare. Uh-oh. Is that not a promise? Do you think he reneged on that promise? And then it says... And if I go and prepare a place for you, you shall coming back uh, again. That's a second promise. And he said, if I come back again, 
He said, then I'm going to take you where I am. Is that not a third promise? And then he said, so where I am, there you shall be what? Also. And if you unfold John chapter 14, there's a multitude of promises in that chapter. One after the other. One after the other. Literally, they really are. And so Paul is telling them, listen, for as many as are the promises of God, in him they are yes. God is not going to renege on him. He's not going to change his mind. He's not going to change them or alter them. What is he told Isaiah? He said, I am the Lord. And I do not alter the things that come out of my mouth. And he also said, I am the Lord God, and I change not. not. So, boy, that's pretty, that's pretty sure. That's a solid foundation right there. That's better than the investment you can get at the bank. You know that old cliche we say, end of the cliche? You can take that to the bank? Yeah. This is better than that. You can take it to God. Okay. And so, therefore, I'm on the NAU side. Therefore, also through him is our amen to the glory of God through us. What does that mean? Amen. Through us is the amen. What does that mean? Settled is set. Yeah, he said we're in agreement. We know that it's going to happen. It is a done deal. It's like you said, it's settled. And we know that. So no matter how difficult things may be around you and for you, God's promises are not going to be broken. Lord Jesus, the Son of the living God, is not going to break his promises. Okay? So I don't know what had gotten into this church. At this point, for this man to say this, whatever had occurred, the false teachings that they've come under, surely they had some doubt in the hearts of these people. And Paul is coming here in a way of saying, listen, don't you believe those lies? God is not going to break his promise to you. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is preparing a place. He has already prepared it. And he is coming back again. And he's going to get you and I. And we're going to go be with him. Okay? And the other promises also that he has laid out. He's going to bring those promises to pass. Greater works than these you shall do. Why? He said, because I'm going to return to my father. Greater works. Well, Jesus, we hadn't performed any miracles. Greater works. You think it lying to you? Do you really think that this small church can't go and perform miracles? I'll tell you why we're not seeing them right now. Do you know why? Because we're not going out doing them. When the last time you asked somebody to pray for them? Oh, you're sick? Let me lay hands on you in Jesus' name. Jesus is going to heal you right now. When the last time? Or someone struggling with something. Zora was scared yesterday on a job interview. We prayed before she went out the door and she came back and what did you tell us? 
I got the job. Lord is good. <laughs> hey. Good job. God answered what? Prayers. Prayers right there in front of us. But how many of us really stopped and paid attention to that? And said, God, you just gave that daughter a job. You just answered her prayer and our prayer. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. You did that to improve our faith in you. Because that's what every miracle is for. Barbie, Skylar, and Matthew, don't you go to sleep, son. I call you out. That's what every miracle is for. Sit up, Matthew. Take your hands out of your shirts. And so, look at this. Now he who establishes us or on, on the NIV side or King James side, let's say here, uh, now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. What does that word anointed mean? Who did this to you, Corinthians? Who made you what you are in Christ? Why are you able to do the things that you're doing for him? Huh? Do you understand that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has done these things? Don't you know that God honors the words of his Son? He honored the works of his disciples? Because the word anointed means that God has given us supernatural abilities. Use them, teacher. When you're up playing, use them. In the name of Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, we're going to sing out of this world now. Now watch us do it. Or you're going to preach the gospel out of this world and watch them respond. Or whatever the case may be. You got a question? Yeah. Um, it said that said uh, did you get to verse 22 yet that was the next one okay. I'll wait. who also sealed us and gave us the spirit in our hearts as a pledge or as a down payment right. that's what it is Paul also told the Ephesian church this that we're sealed by the Holy Spirit God gave us the Holy Ghost as a down payment to show us that we belong to him by way of his son, Jesus. The Holy Spirit in every person is God's seal. Okay? It's God's seal. Which means uh, ownership. You got it. Yes, ma'am. When we get to heaven, the Holy Spirit will not be in us anymore because it won't be necessary, correct? Okay, I want you to turn to John chapter 14. See what you started. <laughs> Zora, in the King James side, New King James, all the way to the right, go up there where it says 2 Corinthians, pull up John. Down, 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 right there. Up one, up one, right there, click. Find chapter 14. No, no, no. Go where the one is. Find chapter 14. Come on down and bring it on verse. Uh, da, 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 da. Bring it on up to verse 13 and 14. 
Let's go on up. On up to 16. Yep. And look what it says in 16. Look what it says in John chapter 14, verse 16. Anybody want to read that out loud? And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Say that last word again. Forever. What does that mean? He'll abide in you forever. He'll be with you always. For eternity. Forever. Okay. Even in. Abide with you. I just thought once we're in heaven. He'll be there. The Holy Spirit will be there. But Jesus says, abide with you body for abide. Live. He's live. lived with you. Abide. The word abide also means to dwell. Okay. He's still going to be with us and in us forever. Okay. It's not. He's not going to ever leave us. Right. Is that one of the promises? Yes. Even in heaven, though. He did. He said he will abide with you forever, never leaving you. That's what forever means. When you and I close our eyes to this life, guess who's still with us? Holy Spirit. When we open our eyes in eternity, guess who's with us? Holy Spirit. He's with us all the way through this. He's not going to ever depart from us. He's always with us. Okay? Mm -hmm. When God gave him to us, he gave us him to us forever. forever. Aren't you glad that the Spirit of the Lord is with you? Let's read on. So, but I call God as witness to my soul that to spare you I did not come again to current. Okay? Other words, Paul just said it would have gotten uglier if I would have showed up. So in order to spare you <clears throat> The Lord didn't allow me to show up. Otherwise, he was going to get in some folks' face, wasn't he? Okay. He cannot allow Satan to destroy the works of Jesus Christ. He won't. Paul would not allow that. The Holy Ghost will not Allow that. Okay. Not that we lord it over you or over your faith, but our work is with you for your joy. For your faith, you are standing firm. Oh, Paul said, look, we're not coming to be your masters because we are the apostles. He said, that's, that's not the purpose of church leaders. It's not to rule you like you better do what I say. Yeah. I'm your pastor. I'm your apostle. You better do it. <laughs> no. What he's saying is we are co-equal as brothers and sisters in Christ. And our job is to encourage you 
even though God gave me the authority as a pastor or as an apostle, I am not to treat you harshly. But I'm definitely going to tell you the truth about the matter, though. And I am, if I have to, Paul is saying, if he needs to take corrective measures, he will. Because he has that divine authority from God. Okay? All right, chapter 2. This is where he's going to change courses a little bit. Uh, Zora, put, number, put chapter 2, verse 1 to the top. Thank you. Uh, there you go. Uh, <laughs> when you went back, when well, I hit the box, now hit the box. Thank you. He says here, but I determined this within myself that I would not come again to you in sorrow. Okay. When someone comes in the conduct of a broken spirit or broken heart, what usually happens when a person show up like that? It affects everybody the same way. It affects everybody the same way. And usually it, things doesn't get accomplished the way that they what? Should. Should have. And so this man is using godly wisdom here, isn't he? And they say, so for, for if I grieve you who is left to make me glad for whom I have grieved. Uh, and let me ask you a question, Ms. Vicky. If I'm emotionally upset and you is emotionally upset, how can you help me feel gladness again? How could you help me feel joy again? <laughs> if we both were suffering the same kind of emotional upset. Huh? Feeding on each other's so. Yeah, we're feeding on each other's sorrow for what? Yeah. <laughs> Boy, we'll be some pitiful folks, wouldn't we? <laughs> but if you said, no, 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 I'm not going there. Me and the Lord got this. And when I come to you, we're going to be having a good time. And I know you're brokenhearted, but ain't no need both of us being brokenhearted. Because somebody got to tell the other it's going to be all right. Yeah. Amen? And so that's what he's telling Corinthian church. He said, I wrote, I wrote as... I did so that when I came, I should not be distressed by those who ought to make me rejoice. I had confidence in all of you that you would all share my joy. Okay, all share my joy. So, he said, look, whatever it is that I'm experiencing, he said, I need to get over it, right? And then, if you're experiencing it, you need to get over it, right? Mm -hmm. And then when we're all full of God's joy again, then we all need to share in what? That's right. <laughs> okay. Uh, and sometimes it's hard for us to get that. And then uh, he said, For I wrote you out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know that the depth of my love for you. So he wanted to let them know that, look, what you did hurt me. Is that what he's saying? Is that what you're saying? That was a false teacher. Yeah. 
But they was among the Corinthian church who evidently had condoned it. Yes? At some point, and then they realized what was going on, and they took what? Corrective measures. But he said, in order to show you my love, because true love in a relationship is this. Sweetie, uh, I want to let you know that that really bothered me what you said or what you did. Am I right? Isn't that what husbands and wives do with each other? Because in this way, the church, the church mimics the relationship of that as a husband and wife with that of Christ and with each other. Am I correct? Because we're the bride of Christ. So if we're doing things that really cause each other harm, cause each other some kind of anguish, then we should have enough courage to or confidence to come and say to each other, uh, this, this hurt me, but it doesn't change my love for you. But I want you to let, well, I want to let you know it hurt me. Okay. I think if we took Paul's approach today in the church, I think it wouldn't be so many church breakups. I have never seen so many church breakups until I came to High Springs. I have never experienced church splits before until I came to High Springs. And I go, oh my Lord, people leaving the church because of this? And nobody shot at them? And nobody hit them in the head with a ball peen hammer? And they're leaving because somebody said something wrong? But nobody choked them? Are you kidding me? I'm carrying enemy soldiers in my arms. The same one who wanted to try to kill me. Who are now wounded. And I'm carrying them, treating them like a brother. So that he can live. And if God's church is supposed to be better than a relationship of two combatants on the battlefield... How much more should we be able to carry each other in each other's arms? And not just high springs either. And not just high springs, right? Uh, anywhere within the body of Christ. And it can happen if we take on the likeness of Paul's character and say, look, it bothered me, but I still love you. And we're going to get through this together. Because that's what he's telling them. And sometimes he has to be in their face and say, look, you shouldn't have did that. Like he did Peter. Remember? You shouldn't have did that to the Gentiles, Peter. That was wrong. Did Peter stop loving Paul? No. Because he would later write about Paul in one of his letters. He really does. And that's what Lord Jesus wants. Sometimes I, I get this wild hair and I think, did God and Jesus ever have a disagreement? And his father and son, how did they really handle it? I submit to you that they never had a disagreement. And I submit to you that even though Jesus was 12 years old, 
and he didn't tell his earthly parents where he was going. And they kind of, in a sense, rebuked him. Yet, he didn't come back and say, you fools, you should have known that I was being my father's house. It just simply said, you should have known that I would have been in my father's house doing his business, his work. And even when Mary and Joseph was angry and said, why did you do to this son? Did Jesus say, get out my face? Did Mary and Joseph say, we're not going to take care of you anymore? God, you take him back? He's on your own? No. What did the latter part of that chapter say in the closing part of that chapter about him? It said he subject himself to both God and his parents. Now, why does God have to subject himself to God? Because he came as a man. And as a man, he was subordinate to God. Amen? And therefore, he had to obey God as a man. Because he was still a man. Because he was still a man, although he was fully God. But the man part still had to do what? He had, yeah, he had to obey. And as a kid, how would it have looked being God in the flesh became rebellious to his parents who were actually right? That would not have been good, would it? And Satan probably would have been like, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, Jesus, do it. If he gave in just that little bit. Yeah, it probably would have changed the course of everything, wouldn't it? But the Lord didn't do that. He still loved his earthly parents. And he just told them. You should have known. It doesn't change our relationship. Okay? Paul telling Corinthians church, this is not going to change our relationship. But there's some things you should have known. Miss Vicki, you okay? You hanging in there? If I cause you sorrow, okay, then verse 3. This is the very thing I wrote you, so that when I came, I would not have sorrow from those who ought to make me rejoice, having confidence in you that all my joy would be the joy of all of you. So, Miss Vicki, Your choir, your praise team. Mm-hmm. They're going to frustrate you some more. You hear me? <laughs> Say yes. <clears throat> and you're going to have to do what you did again. But you're going to have to do it like Paul. And you're going to have to keep on seeing what you see. The glory of God and the growth of God in them. Amen? Because that was beautiful. You were beautiful. I'm telling you. And sometimes as a pastor, sometimes you hear me sometimes say what? <sighs> Every night in the army part come out though. That's the part I'm saying. <laughs> that army sergeant style comes out. 
I just want to, and the Lord gets me later. He's like, no, 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 Samuel. Don't you do it like that. Okay, Lord. But we love each other, and it's a beautiful small church, a beautiful small congregation that the Lord is growing for his glory. And how he's going to blossom this out, I don't know yet. But he's doing it. I see the spiritual growth in everybody. I see the union that Paul will talk about in his letter to the Ephesians. You know, that being in one, that union. I see that. And can you be my secretary too? <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I am joking. Oh, you're asking me? I was being facetious. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was being facetious. <laughs> yeah, be the janitor too. <laughs> okay. So for for out of a much affliction and anguish or distress of heart, I wrote to you with many tears, not so that you would be made sorrowful, but that you might know the love which I have, right? But if, verse 5, but if any has called sorrow, he has called sorrow not to me, but in some degree in order not to say too much to all of you. Uh, kind of disjointed a little bit in our way of thinking. But sometimes you have to make people uncomfortable in order for there to be some growth. Are you hearing me? Sometimes you have to make people uncomfortable in order for there to be some growth. Like these two boys sitting up in here asleep. Matthew, wake up. So it's not always in congruency. Congruency is a fancy psychology word that says it's not going to always be in harmony when you and I do things. Okay? There's going to be some differences, and those differences at times are going to cause us some friction. Okay? And where there's friction is, there's what? Man, that don't feel good. That's hot. Because friction is heat, right? Excessive heat. Gonna get heated. And if you don't fix it, it's gonna do what? It's gonna burn and cause some damage. So every now and then, there's some friction. But if we look at it beyond just confusion and distress and see God is trying to grow us, then it can be beautiful when we see that Jesus is growing us like this, okay? He's developing us. He's maturing us. And boy, that's great. That's what chastisement is all about. Chastisement of the Lord. It's not designed. There's a difference between chastisement and wrath. Did you get that? There's a difference between chastisement and wrath. Wrath is going to kick your butt. Okay? Big time. And it may even kill you. Physically kill you. Okay? And in the long, long devastation of it, it can even destroy your soul. But chastisement, chastisement is correcting you. 
Because Jesus said in Revelation 3.21, all those I love, I chasten. The word chasten means chastise. He said, all those I love, I chasten. So be zealous and repent. Otherwise, it says, hurry up and do it. Get it over. <laughs> Get over it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Make a change in your life. Okay? All right. So sufficient for such a one is this punishment which was inflicted by the majority. So whatever that person did, majority of the Corinthian saints stood up for Paul. And actually for the Lord Jesus Christ. And they made correction. And whatever that correction was, Paul is telling them it was good enough. It, it, it made it point. It served well. Okay? It was settled. Sometimes we tend to lament things too much. You know what I mean by that? Yeah, not, not completely settled, but it just kind of lingers. Kind of. Let's take a little step further. Mm -hmm. You're beating a dead horse deader. Oh, mm -hmm. you've already, you've already killed it. Why are you still beating on it? It's dead. Leave it alone. Walk away. That's what I mean. It still lingers. Like yeah. It's still there. You, you're done enough. <laughs> Walk away. It's good enough, right? Sometimes my kids think us parents like that. Mom, Dad, you you already got me for that. I just want you to know so you don't do it again. Well, when are you going to let it go? Well, like this boy right here, how many times I told him to wake up? There, there's a difference. So now he needs a little help. Yeah. There's a difference between I already got it for that, but if you keep doing it over and over, well, of course they're going to keep correcting you. That's ongoing discipline for ongoing what? <laughs> Mess it up, <laughs> right? All right. Now instead, you ought to forgive and, com and comfort him. There, there it is right there. So that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. And that word sorrow really should have been translated as pain. You don't want to hurt people more than you have to. All right. Break their spirit. Yeah. We have arrested people because someone jumped on them. They started to fight, but you put them in the hospital. So we tell the person, put your hands behind your back also. But I didn't start it. Yeah, but you went beyond reasonable force to subdue your attacker. Now, if it's deadly force for deadly force, yes, that's self-defense. But if he slap you and you hit him with a baseball bat, put your hand behind your back, okay? But if you'd have slapped him back, would have said, "All right, he's going to jail." Yeah, because until they, they, they kill you, and then you can know that you should have been deadly force. No, that's not what we were saying. We had a guy get punched in the face with a fist. Another guy struck him across the face with a pool stick, breaking his jaw. So I said, "Okay, put your hand behind your back." But for what? What did I do? Kill him with a weapon. Yeah, you. Even though what he did to you was was aggravated battery with his fist, 
But you went beyond that by using an instrument. A weapon. A weapon. The law says like like levels of force to stop your attacker. Okay? So if you come out with a machine gun, you shoot with a machine gun. Okay? But if he just throwing tomatoes at you, throw tomatoes back at him. <laughs> I know I, I kind of killed that horse though, didn't I? No, but it's still the, the, the kind of even, you know, you're fighting with the same uh, defense. Like mm-hmm. you defend yourself with the same thing, not having somebody come up with a shotgun because you slapped them. Right? Yeah. But we still say in law enforcement, don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Mm-hmm. So, but in, in God's house, among God's people, don't kill a person, don't cut their legs off when all you had to do was speak the word and they straighten up. Okay? And whatever measure they took against this, this brother, Paul said that was, that was good enough. Because if you keep going, if you keep piling it on, you're really going to hurt this person. And and the object of discipline is to do what? Restore. Right. Restore. Restore. Because I kept, I kept thinking, you know, Lord, Aaron, while you was appointing him as high priest, he was committing high treason against you by making a golden calf. And you knew it. And Father, you must have some love and some mercy in your heart. Because if that had been me, I'd have zapped him right then. It wouldn't have been my high priest. But now, didn't a lot of those people die? Oh, yeah. From, from oh, yeah. worshiping that calf? Well, yeah. But yet Aaron, who... Made it. Yeah. Why? The only thing I can say is that God gets to make the rules. Is that not why they didn't make it to the promised land? All but the ones that came after the ones that were delivered. Well, the ones in that situation, a lot of them died. Right. Mm -hmm. And maybe Aaron was too timid to tell them no and may have feared for his life and did it but one of the things that Moses said Moses uh, Aaron, Moses says to Aaron Aaron what have these people done to you that you would do this to them call the people to commit great idolatry against the one true God and Moses said, what, brother? What did they do to you in order for you to do this against God? And so... Because what they needed was someone to say, say no, yeah, wrong. Like what Moses would have did. Would, yeah. He would have did that. But, but some of us are not that spiritually strong. Okay? And then some of us probably would have just pounded Aaron right on in the ground right then. I'm going to tell you behind up right now and start wailing on him just for the idea of it, right? Just yeah, well, who's you? Right, having a thought of it. The same thing happened with that demon, right? When that guy 
Say, Jesus, I know, but who are you? Yeah. And then he got whooped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those ten men, mm-hmm. those brothers, you know, the sons of Scavia, something like that. Um, so here we have it. Don't do an overkill. And wherefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. Greg. Greg really gets on my nerves. He was, did y'all hear him cussing here Sunday? I didn't hear him. I heard him mumbling. Yeah. And, 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 and finally, I had to tell him what? Don't do that. And actually, I have a police order against him coming in here. Because he came in here one day and he cussed all of us out. And I'm not just saying little... Uh, little girls curse words. He he said grown men, what we say like a drunk sailor. And so, talk to your baby. And big brother, I still love Greg. I still want to see Greg names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm not saying that it's not. I like to see his see a change in him before he leaves this world, and I like to see a change in me. I like to see a greater change in me from the Lord, and that's what I was talking to the Lord about today. I've been talking to him about that the past few days. Well, Jesus, I like to see a greater change in me. Okay, because. These people, they need to see their pastor holy before the Lord. So, anything we need to pray for? No. No, and you and you have every right to keep to keep the the peace in here without somebody disrupting because it affects everybody else. Mm-hmm. Just that one person can just. And then everybody gets involved in it and starts talking about it because it gets out of hand. So you put a stop to it before it gets to that. Yeah, it can literally quench the spirit. And and Paul warned us, do not quench the spirit. I don't want to be responsible for that. We just got a few more minutes. For to, for to this end, also I wrote so that I might put you to the test whether you are obedient in all things. Sometimes certain things happen and they're tests from God. Mm-hmm. Even God said to Israel, I tested you to see what you would do. Now in the Lord's Prayer, there's a thing that says, and do not, what it says, do not tempt us. You remember that part of the prayer? Do you know what the literal translation of that is? Do not test us. 
Because what happens when God tests us? It's a pass or fail. It's just as simple as that. It is no in between. Okay? So even Jesus told us to ask God, Lord, do not test us. What happened to Peter on the nights of Jesus' betrayal, Miss Vicky? What did Jesus say before he even went to the garden? He said, this night, the shepherd shall be what? What did he say to what happened to the shepherd? You're talking about Peter? Huh? said he yeah. would deny him three times before the cross. He said, he said that, uh, he said, smite the shepherd, and the flock will be scattered. And Lord Jesus was telling that, and Peter said, if all deny you, I will not what? Deny you. And what did Lord Jesus say to him? Before this night is over well. You will deny me three times before the rooster crows mm -hmm. twice. Yeah. What was that? Come on, call it what it is. What was that? Temptation is designed for sin. Mm -hmm. Test is oh, temptation is designed for sin. Test is designed for success or failure. Okay. When he said, all these might, but I won't. Yeah, but I won't. And then Jesus put him to the test. test. So we're going to see. What and, and then he even said it out the way. He said, even though he said, I will not. Mm -hmm. And then it appeared when Lord Jesus got arrested, he wasn't, right? Because he pulled out the sword and he started what? Chopping ears. He started chopping ears off. He started fighting. And so far, it looking pretty good for Peter, right? Because all the other disciples had gotten yellow blood and rabbit blood and did what? Boy, they hit the trail, didn't they? They scattered. They scattered. And so, the test came when they asked Peter, aren't you one of his disciples? No. Why? Because the test had just started. Started. <laughs> just begun. Yeah. And so, uh, what Paul's saying here, mm -hmm. sometimes it really is a test from God. And sometimes, and Paul said, I'm testing you to see if you're going to be obedient in this, how you're going to treat this man. As much as messed up. And how many times I keep telling this boy to wake up in here. And even through this little bottle in front of him, try to get his attention. He's still closing his eyes, going to sleep. Okay? No matter what. We're going to fail tests. But we can't stop loving you. When, when you take him home, is he going to bed? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Only when he's here. Because Mama just stepped in in. And it's recorded internationally. So we fail. Peter failed. But yeah. We're, we're going to fail 
tests. But Jesus doesn't stop loving us. He's going to forgive us, and His Holy Spirit is going to help us make it on through the next phase. Okay? His love endures forever. His love endures. That's it. That, that was it. So it's like, we're not kicking the boy out of the family. I'm not kicking him out of church because he's falling asleep. No. Yeah, we just want him to listen to the voice of God from the Word of God. Still love him. Okay, still love him. So, verse 10, we'll go just for a couple more minutes. Verse 10, for one whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For indeed, what I have forgiven, uh, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes in the presence of Christ. So Paul said, look, I'm not making a big issue out of this. Uh, I've already forgiven you. Okay, I'm forgiving him. Whoever the uh, perpetrator is, the offender is, Paul said he's done what? Forgiven that person in the presence of Lord Jesus Christ. And you remember what the Greek definition of the word forgive? Y'all remember what I told you that is? And I told you the Greek word is a feming, it's a verb, it's a, what we call a me verb. You remember when Lord Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead and he was still bound with the grave clothes on? And they said, loose him and do what? Uh-oh, y'all ain't going to make me go there, are you? Where did you go to God, Bay? No, no, he said, oh, he's already raising from the dead, but he come hopping out of the tomb because he had the gray clothes on. He's doing this, right? So he had, yeah, there it is. Loose him and what? That's what the Greek word there is two verbs. Luo means I'm loosened. And a female set him free. So Paul said, set him free. free. Don't, bring, don't bring any more pain upon him. Set him free from it now. Okay? And that's what we have to do with people who offend us. We have to set them free. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for the one that rang the bell. You know the need, Lord God. We ask now by the Holy Ghost that you meet that need. For the salvation or healing of deliverance in Jesus' name. All right. We'll quickly get to the bottom of chapter 2. Let me read on. It says, so that, and that's what you probably want to underline in your Bibles. Now, verse 11. So that, what? Lest Satan should get what? Get an advantage of us. In other words, do not give room to the devil. Why? The second part of the verse. What did it say, Miss Vicky? The second part of the verse. For we are not what? Unaware. Of his what? Seen. Or his devices. Otherwise, the way he worked, what he uses, his strategies. Okay? Because he can be working in us. We think that we are right by continuing to correct this person when in fact now we're destroying this person and we think we're listening to the voice of God when in fact we're listening to the voice of who? Satan says, get him, get him, get him, get him. That's it. Instead of helping that person draw closer to God, we're doing what with them? Pushing them away. That's why pastors especially 
have to be very careful about church discipline. Understand? Pastors have to be very, very careful. Any church leader has to be very, very careful to make sure that the course of actions that we're taking are those of Christ. They're being led by who? The Holy Spirit, rather than led by our... Yeah, because our emotions could cause us to do what? Well, we'll throw everything but the kitchen sink at them, won't we? There's no telling what we do. That's right. And then when the hurt is done, we can't take it back. You can't take back a broken heart. There's no way you and I can fix a broken heart in a person. Now we're crying because God, look what I've done. How many people in prison because I said, Lord, I didn't mean to hit him that hard. He made me mad, and I didn't mean to hit him that hard. So we hit him with anger. Right. But the results are still the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The person is what? Dead. Dead. We used to teach in law enforcement class. A young man pulls an empty gun on an old man, and the old man dies of a heart attack because he thinks you just pulled a loaded gun on him. Mm. It would have been just as, it wouldn't have mattered. Dead is dead. Dead. The results are still what? The old man is dead. So you get charged with homicide. Just the same. But I didn't mean to. The gun was empty. See, it's empty. He didn't know that. Did you say, hey, old man, the gun is empty? I'm pulling on you? No. <laughs> Huh? So you thought he was just going to scream? Yeah. I got some good law enforcement stories, you can tell, huh? <laughs> so I had, uh, excuse me, verse 12. Now, when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God who always lead us in triumphal processions in Christ. Lead us in what? Triumphal what? Procession. Procession. What does that mean? What is a procession? What is a procession? You ever seen you ever seen a parade? A parade is another word for procession. In New Orleans, they have funeral procession with the band and all. Bad analogy, but but he's talking about a victory, a victory shout here. To Jesus, always the Lord God always lead us in that victory parade to the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're on our way, boy. It's victory time. Amen. So whatever the issue is, he said God always gives us the victory. Amen. All right, closing on out. So, but but thanks be to God, okay, who always lead us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. What happens when 
You and I followed the whole leading of the Holy Spirit and making correction on people. And then the ungodly sees that because a procession, a parade is what? A public what? Public thing. The public sees it, right? Like the Macy's parade? Right. Public show. Yeah. So Paul is saying that our actions should be like a public show for the world to see and a, a sweet-smelling fragrance, okay? Like a sweet, sweet perfume. Aroma. Aroma. For the ungodly to see and know that we belong to who? God, by way of Jesus Christ our Lord. How we what? Handle each other. This is important. So, for we are to God the aroma of Christ. You got that? So the world sees the kindness of the church. And God smells it. He goes, oh, look at my son's children. Boy, they are smelling good. Okay? When we're walking in the spirit. Yeah. And doing what's, what's right. So we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Okay? Now he's going to give you, as we close this out, Miss Vicky, he's going to give us two types of aromas. Now we know, I, I didn't know about the different types of aromas until I married my wife. And she liked those candles, she called them what? What did you call them? Roman, Roman therapy, Roman candles. So they come with different fragrances, okay? And therefore, I started buying cinnamon apple or strawberry or whatever the case may be. And I know she didn't like vanilla. And, but we can tell that what kind of candle it is by its what? Its smell. Well, Paul said in the spirit realm, okay, there's a different kind of smell. There's a smell of life. And there's a smell of what? Death. We get to produce smells of life when we treat each other with kindness. But if we don't, to the world, we're going to be aromas of death. Now, on the other hand of that, to the world who's rejecting Christ, we can also be the aroma of what? Death. But if for data one made it that way. Okay? I don't like the smell of those Christians. They make me sick. <laughs> right? It's only because they don't want to repent. They don't want to turn to Jesus. So, a little long-winded tonight. Tamara said she was coming back in at 7.30, so I had three minutes left if I tried to take out the 7.30. All right. And so verse 17, as we close the last verse in this chapter, unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. Did you get that? No pastor is supposed to be making money off of preaching the gospel. No. 
Let me give it to you this way. There's nothing wrong with giving a pastor salary so he can make a living. That's not what I'm referring to. I know certain pastors won't show up unless you give them a certain fee. I had one of my fellow seminary brothers tell me one time, he said, well, he asked me the question, he said, how much do you charge when you go speak at a church? I said, I don't charge anything. He said, brother, you're messing us up. He said, I don't speak for nothing less than $300. And I said, what? What, what happened to freely given, you know, Freely receive, freely what? Freely you give. You, Jesus Christ didn't charge us for the service of God by giving us eternal life. He did not, he did not charge us for bringing us the, the gifts of God through the gospel. The Holy Ghost didn't charge us for the gifts he gives us. And God certainly did not charge us for the gift of his son. In fact, he had the son pay a price for us. Okay, we All right. So, why are men making profit off of God's gospel? But now